Hello, and welcome to Banking Transform, the top podcast in banking. I'm your host, Jim Roos, owner and CEO of the Digital Bank Report and co-publisher of the Financial Brand. Bloomberg recently reported that Apple is launching an initiative codenamed Breakout to bring more financial services capabilities in-house. It is believed that Apple wants to own the entire payment supply chain, minimizing external vendors and partners touching consumer data, thereby reducing costs and improving the customer experience. This would also allow them to compete more directly with platforms like Square, PayPal, Google, and Klarna. We are fortunate to have Dr. Effie Polarnarnu, global fintech influencer based in Switzerland on the Banking Transform podcast. She will discuss why Apple has announced the breakout initiative and several other payments-related services and partnerships and whether Apple aims to become a bank. Apple's fintech ambitions have not really been a very big secret. They've been dropping several clues over the last couple of years suggesting that adding more Apple native payments and financial services components is part of a larger strategy, one that could lay the groundwork for Apple as a financial ecosystem player or certainly having payments leadership. That said, Apple's track record in payments hasn't been as great as many people assume it is. According to research, 94% of U.S. consumers who could use Apple Pay to check out in the physical store still don't. To help peel this back, we have Effie Pilarnu, a fintech influencer and global strategist. So Effie, thanks for being on the show today. To sort some of these things out, can you share with our audience why Apple may be making increased overtures in the payments and financial services spaces? Tim, thank you so much uh, for having me with you today. Uh, I'm, I'm delighted. You know, Apple, uh, you know, there's so much talk out there. Will it become a bank? What's happening? So many announcements. And, and really, it, it just triggered, uh, for me, a, a deep look into why is this happening? Why are they doing this? And, and I'm glad that we have the time to discuss this. You know, for me, we, we have to take a step back and look at Apple. It's the first $1 trillion company, right? Market uh, value. And its revenues are $130 billion. What does that mean in terms of payment fees? That's about $2 billion worth of payment fees, just to put things in perspective. And let me add another number. Uh, You know, app store sales or transactions or value is over $500 billion. This This is huge. We're not talking about Apple Pay. Don't think Apple Pay. Think Apple as an ecosystem. What player are they? They are not just the first trillion dollar company. They are the number one online retail commerce platform. Honestly, Jim, I didn't know this before the recent announcements. I thought, honestly, that it was Amazon. But looking into the figures and trying to understand what has triggered this sudden 
I would say, you know, we have so many announcements around payments uh, from Apple. It's not only breakout, it's it's so many other things, and, and I'm sure we'll have the opportunity to discuss them. So at a very high level, this is not about Apple Pay. This is about Apple, the company, the ecosystem, and where it's going. Yeah, you, you mentioned that whole dynamic about the e-commerce size of Apple, and we forget about the App Store, but we also forget about the fact that you know, a, a, a high percentage of their sales of devices is done online. So it's the e-commerce play for their devices. It's e-commerce play for all their products and services and software, but their app store is, is a machine. And what's interesting is their partners get twice as much money in, in return for sales there than an Amazon partner, for instance, gets on their sales. So again, we, we keep on thinking as Amazon as being the e-commerce king. But when you look at Apple, it's amazing how much is done. And so much of it is done in services and in technology and in software, not in, you know, hard devices, the products per se. You know, you, you had an extraordinarily strong blog on Apple in the last week. And, and you know, I suggest to everybody look under Effie's name and, and, and pick up that, that great article she wrote on it on LinkedIn. You know, in that article, you connect the dots with an Atari video game called Breakout. Could you tell us a story and, and other related stories that relate to that? Yeah, I love stories, Jim. So, you know, the initiative, as we all know, of Apple, of, you know, pay, uh, building their own payment rails is called Breakout. But Breakout is no random name. It was a video game that was actually very successful that Steve Wozniak with Steve Jobs worked on and launched exactly in 1976, which is the year that the Apple company was founded. And actually they included the clone version of this video game, which is, you know, those video games of, of the 70s with, with the bricks. And they included it in the first version of the iPod. So for me, this is, you know, not any random uh, uh, name breakout. And I want to tell you a, a related story that um, is not in, in the gaming world, but is related to Apple. Actually, two stories. One is, did you know that Apple tried to buy Square in 2014? when Square was valued at $2 billion and Apple offered them a price of $3 billion, so 50% up, and Square refused. Amazing. So why do you think that Apple in 2014 wanted to buy Square? And fast forward to today and connect it to their tap to pay offering, which is essentially a software version of what Square is doing with their Square dongle and, and you know, enabling uh, merchants to do that. And a third story, and, and, and we'll connect that, is that four years ago, Amazon 
launched a square dongle like square, exactly the same in black color, and was offering it for, you know, to be bought by the merchants at a 30% lower price and with full customer service that Square didn't have. And they competed basically directly with Square. What happened? You know the end of the story? They were not successful at all. And they decided to shut down the Amazon dongle after two years. And what they did is they sent all the customers, the Amazon customers that were using the Amazon dongle to Square. And what is important to understand is that Amazon, that dongle did not succeed. Why? Because it wasn't an ecosystem play. It didn't have the ecosystem that Square had around that hardware. And to connect all these dots, it's all about the ecosystem. So Apple, its moves that are seen disconnected, uh, breakout initiative, the tap to pay, um, partnerships with Aiden, and so on. They're all ecosystem plays, uh, uh, building within the ecosystem and strengthening the ecosystem. Of course, there's economics, and, and we should talk about that, the, the, the costs. Yeah, and to that point, you know, you've followed Apple for quite some time, and as with many of the quite obscure announcements by Apple, you believe it's best to follow the money. Can you connect the dots a little bit on how the interchange fees today play a role in the latest announcement? And that may be the biggest part of the announcement where they're really trying to change the dynamics of how the cost of delivery needs to be adjusted. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a good point because you know with all the embedded finance and and all the partnerships, the fintech partnerships that are happening in the market, we sort of uh, forget to ask ourselves how are the interchange fees split among all the entities that are involved in in whatever deal you have a tech company or an e-commerce company and then you have a a bank or a banking, a banking as a service provider, you have the card issuers, all these entities obviously are going to share these interchange fees. And there is kind of a, 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 a usual split of, you know, who gets what from the interchange fees. But in the case of Apple, it is very well known that they don't follow the usual standards, so so they always try to negotiate better fees uh, 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 and so on. So what I found in my research, uh, and as you mentioned, uh, I was discussing in my latest article, is that there was a conflict really brewing between Apple and the card networks, Visa and MasterCard. Why? Because the banks, the U.S. banks were pressuring 
the card networks to stop sharing uh, interchange fees with Apple for recurring payments. And apparently Visa and MasterCard were ready to implement that change. What that means is they had prepared a special token that would um, block uh, sharing interchange fees when there were recurring payments. Now, that is significant, especially because it is clear from the figures that Apple is trying to move towards more subscription services, more recurring payments, especially in their software business. If we look, Jim, at, at the numbers, roughly would say that revenues are 80%, a little bit more from hardware and 20% from software. But that, that 20% is double from last year. So it was approximately 10% in these rounded figures. And what is clear is that Apple wants to increase the mix of software versus hardware uh, services for many reasons. One of them is that, that the margins in the, in the software part are much higher than in, in the hardware part. I also think there's other reasons. Uh, and, and the reason is that if you look at the, the, the way uh, digitization across industries are evolving, uh, we're going towards a, a world where hardware is becoming smarter and in a way is tomorrow's software. So there's more uh, to be offered in the software and the service business rather than the hardware business. And in Apple's case, even if you look at um, uh, the, the geographic split of their revenues, there's many uh, big areas like India, for example, where they don't have uh, enough presence, they would try to increase their presence. And in those countries, I think that they will try to increase sales by offering bundled hardware and software packages, especially in credit poor countries, but also for businesses. For businesses, it makes a lot of sense to offer them more hardware and software services as a bundle. What that means is that Apple as an ecosystem needs to have the flexibility to offer what I would call more contextualized and personalized payment experiences. How does that sound to you? You know a lot about what that means in the financial world. So I don't see Apple as trying to become a financial services uh, provider, but I do see them as one of the most successful experience companies being more um, interested and more focused 
on these bundled software hardware services with contextualized, personalized payment experiences. You know, you, it's interesting. You talk about those payment experiences, and and it even goes deeper than that. I, I think Apple is a trusted name, and they've done a lot of things recently around privacy and other areas that really make it even more of a, a consumer play, a consumer product company that people tend to love, but they give more and more reasons to love the experiences. And that's really, when you talk about engagement, when you talk about building loyalty over time, you need trust. You need to be on the consumer side. And you have to prove that you're trying to do things on behalf of the consumer. And, and I think, to your point, taking over some of the back office of payments makes it so they can control the experience even more than they have before, at the same time as lowering their costs, which ends up in many cases, especially with Apple, there tends to be a trickle-down um, effect to that where the consumer is going to benefit from that reduced cost as well. You know, but they Apple's had other um, recent announcements. They, they took over Credit Karma or they acquired Credit Karma out of the UK, which is kind of like an open banking ecosystem play in the payment space. They also have um, had announcements around Tap to Pay and Adian. And, and what's interesting, when you look at this, does it, does it appear to you that they're trying to be a competitor to Square? Or are they taking, you know, is it more of a consumer play or a merchant play from your perspective? And where do you see this whole payments ecosystem going for Apple? At a time when, as we said at the very beginning, Apple Pay has really not been, despite uh, Mr. Cook's announcements on ongoing basis about how successful it is, the fact that people can do it, they are not doing it at the at the POS level so with uh, with apple pay so how do you see this all playing out from the standpoint of trying to build this ecosystem is it more of a customer experience play is it more of a revenue play i really think that um, this is uh, an ecosystem play they're really trying to grow this dual ecosystem that is really the backbone of, of what uh, Square has done. You know, think of it, they have uh, a retail consumer uh, ecosystem, if you want, and a, a, a business ecosystem that starts with small businesses and, and has moved up the scale. And they've connected those two and continue to connect and, and strengthen them. And I see Apple doing something similar with their ecosystem and at the same time changing their business model in terms of monetization and bundled packages of, of hardware and, and software. Um, so, so for me, it's that's it. Plus, they want to be able to increase their presence and their business in certain areas. As I mentioned, um, India is a, is a very good example where they can penetrate those markets with, different, uh, with a different mix of, of, uh, of offerings. So again, an ecosystem play. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Microsoft. See how Microsoft can help unlock new opportunities at speed and scale through innovative business processes, delivering differentiated customer experiences across channels, 
innovating new products and services, and redefining new ways of thinking. Find out more at Microsoft.com backslash financial services. So Effie, what's interesting is we talk about Apple wanting to become a, a better ecosystem play in the payments area, but really at the end of the day, we're talking about data and insights. I mean, at every payments transaction creates more insights that Apple can use in an overall ability to maybe get into commerce, to get into other financial services and do other things as much as any other player in the tech marketplace and in the banking marketplace. I mean, this the amount of insight that they collect on a daily basis, even with the apps I, I put in and pay for on a regular basis, there's more and more knowledge about who I am, what I like, what I use. They kind of know all of that. And by taking more of this inside, they really get a, a positioning where they're going to know the consumer as well or better than any other player. So is there a chance that in one sense, they could be biting the hand that feeds them, trying to break up with many of the fintech partners that provide back office services for them today? There may not be a big deal there, but do you sort of foresee challenges that they may face because of these fragmented uh, relationships now? Well, Jim, I mean, Apple is not known for, you know, being uh, uh, excellent in, in partnerships. Their reputation sort of there is, is fairly poor. And um, they're also known for not following industry standards. So, you know, if, if, if you think of it, on the one hand, there, there are different stance in terms of privacy of data in the um, iPhone, in the phone industry has served them well. They have built and earned the trust because of that. Uh, on the other hand, honestly, I don't think that what they are planning to do, and we don't know details about breakout, we, we, we see the other uh, initiatives with Aiden and, and tap to pay and so on. I don't think that they will break up with Goldman, for example, because I'm sure that, you know, first of all, it's been a successful partnership and right. it really doesn't interfere with this vision that we discussed earlier about building a dual ecosystem with the merchants and, and being able to, to uh, implement uh, different bundles of, of hardware and software services and offering flexible uh, payment experiences depending on the region, depending on, on, on the group. I think that they, they, will, um, they will keep that. So I, I don't see it um, as, as, a, as a problem. And Actually, because of their earned trust in the privacy data uh, sort of uh, um, aspect, I think that Apple is going to be, will have rather a lot of potential in the metaverse space. And I might be taking you elsewhere on, on a tangent, 
But we, we do have to ask ourselves this question. You know, the metaverse is here in a way, right? We have other big tech companies positioning themselves. I'm sure that Apple must be thinking about what the opportunities are there and where they want to position uh, themselves. So starting with what I would call programmable money, which in its first version means uh, customized programmable payment experiences, I think that Apple is very well positioned to offer that. And let's not forget that they recently integrated with uh, MetaMask. This is their first step into crypto land. So basically, if I understand correctly, you can buy with Apple Pay, which is connected with whatever credit card, up to $400 through MetaMask, which is the doorway to dApps, decentralized apps in, in the crypto world, you can buy crypto. So I can see there that, that Apple is experimenting and then they, we have to ask ourselves what's going on with games? What position will Apple take in the future of, of gaming? Up to now, they have been very sort of conservative and not not growing the business there. What are they going to do with in-app purchases? You know, the skins that my 19-year-old son is buying through the App Store and the games. Uh, will the Apple Wallet, for example, enable my son to keep his skins in there? And, and those are, you know, the digital assets that he owns and, and will Apple be earning fees for that and so on. There's a lot going on here and I think Apple really understands the fact that they should be controlling the processing of transactions within their ecosystem while they are growing and evolving their ecosystem. Finally, Effie. When we look, let's say, three years down the road, will we see Apple as simply a slightly different version of itself today? Will we see it as a super app? Will we see Apple as a primary payments provider? Will we see them as a financial services company or something else? I don't think it will be a financial services company. Uh, I don't think that, um, you know, people talk about it becoming a bank or anything, anything like that. I see it shifting the, the mix between hardware and software and, and smart sort of uh, hardware changing that mix. And uh, in, in what we know today, this 80-20, will become 50-50 or 40-60. And there they are going to be introducing new experiences that are in the convergence of hardware and, and software. 
I don't know how it will look, but I can imagine smarter surfaces that we already know are, are out there. I can think of how they're going to integrate their self-driving cars uh, as, a, as a smart sort of uh, ecosystem there too. So it, it's in that direction that I see them evolving. You know, it's interesting from my perspective, I keep on looking not just at the money, but at the data. You know, there's no organization that probably knows more about my personality and what I like than Apple, especially because of all the apps that I have that I've acquired through my Apple relationship. So they not only know what I buy, which is what Amazon knows, they not only know my financial relationship because of what I've got through my Apple card, but more importantly, they know what my interests are on a daily basis. They know I'm a bike rider because I downloaded the Strava app. They know I'm into fitness and, and measuring my performance over time because of other apps I've downloaded. They understand my interest in sports because of my downloading of sports apps. And when you look at this all together, the ability to position themselves as a super app is probably as strong as any player out there. That's the direction they want to go. You know, as, I, as you said, and I agree, wanting to be a bank, it's not just about the data, it's about the regulations, and they don't want to get deeper into the regulatory environment, but they're probably better positioned than most from the standpoint of how they view privacy, how they view the customer relationship and their customer experience. And I think you really nailed it at the end. I think the biggest play we have here is they are continually striving to give a better customer experience based on what they know about you and what they can take care of themselves. If they own the process that's in the back office, they can make sure the experience is great, which makes it so that your engagement goes higher. I think one thing for sure, I go to my phone on an ongoing basis and download new things. My engagement level with them is probably highest of any player I have in the marketplace. And I think this will serve them well in the payments area and in the super ecosystem area as they look at what they want to do next. They won't lose. Um, they're, they're, they're sitting on a whole lot of cash as well that plays into that. Effie, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Jim, for the opportunity to chat with you today. Thanks for listening to Banking Transform, winner of three international awards for podcast excellence. If you enjoy what we're doing, please give us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Finally, be sure to catch my recent articles on our financial brand and the research we're doing for the Digital Bank Report. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to our producer, Leah Longbreak, audio engineer, Sean Earl Hoffman, and video producer, Will Pritz. I'm your host, Jim Roos. Remember, until next time, never underestimate the power of a brand that people love as opposed to simply accept. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.